Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And if you're a first timer, welcome aboard. This one is brought to you by my bookie. I'll tell you more about my bookie and a great deal for you listeners in a bit. This is Robert along with my partner, Stephen Kerr in Houston sports. Boy, it was a crazy weekend. I mean, Stephen, early Saturday, we thought the biggest story was going to be the clowny trade. That's it. Well, when we did our podcast on Saturday, we, we certainly thought it was the biggest story, and we signed off, and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose in Houston. I mean, the, the Texans traded for Larry Me Tunsil and Kenny Stills and all the things involved in that. And, you know, and then, then on Sunday, the Astros pitch another no-hitter. I guess one wasn't enough. Justin Verlander went out, and he almost had one two starts ago, and he pitched one on Sunday. So, yeah, this is definitely one of the crazier weekends of Houston sports than I can remember in a while. All right, take a breath, Astros fans, because how often do you have to say, let's get to that historic Verlander no-hitter later in the show. The Texans <laughs> made even bigger news. And I took a nap after we finished the Clowney podcast Saturday, but O'Brien, he wasn't taking any naps. Boy, apparently not. Yeah, by now you might know the list of transactions, but here's a little bit of a reminder. that The, the Texans finally finally, finally get a left tackle that people are excited about. They trade for Laramie Tunsil and wide receiver Kenny Stills in the deal. They give up next year's first-round pick, their first-round pick in 2021 also, uh, their second-round pick in 2021 as well, uh, Julian Davenport, and what I'd call the contract of Johnson Batamosi. We can return to that. In return for all that, they get the Dolphins' fourth-round pick next year and their sixth-rounder in 2021. The Texans also trade Martinez Rankin to the Chiefs for running back Carlos Hyde. The Texans trade a sixth-round pick to the Patriots for cornerback Keon Crossing. We got so much more, Stephen, but it's all about Laramie Tunsil, really, isn't it? It is all about Laramie Tunsil. And the thing is, I put this out on Twitter, that you know he we kept thinking, well, Jadevian Clowney's not going to go to Miami. So there's probably not the likelihood that Larry Tunsil is going to come here. Well, all I've got to say now is go ahead, Dolphins players. You can start your revolt now in your locker room because he is here. He is gone from Miami. So as it turned out, the Texans traded Clowney and they got Tunsil. You know, the big question is, did they give up too much, not only for him, but for Kenny Stills? I mean, that's a lot of future that you're mortgaging not just for your left tackle, but for another wide receiver. All right. It took O'Brien three first round picks over the last four months, but he finally got a left tackle. And I do want to concentrate on that. Tunsil isn't a pro bowler yet, but the consensus is he's solid with the potential to be really good. He's only 25 years old with two years left on his contract. That works out great for the Texans. If you missed it, the Texans also cut ties with Matt Khalil. So it's, you know, Roderick Johnson will be the swing tackle. Roderick Johnson, who impressed so much in, in camp. And since Khalil and Davenport are both gone, of course, Titus Howard and Max Sharping can both potentially move over to tackle. But let's just focus on the whole Jeremy Tunsil part. Of, sorry, Lermy Tunsil. Try to get that out. Part of the deal, Stephen. And I, I guess the thing I see with that is O'Brien, whatever you think, was enough or not enough for Tunsil. You know, they, they solved something they had to solve. We talked about it in the last one with 
you know, in the clowny podcast that, you know, that's, that's something that they, they have never figured out. And Deshaun Watson's livelihood, the future of this organization depends on getting a tackle. And if you're asking me what I thought would be enough, I would have guessed two first round picks. I mean, they're going to be later first round picks. You would assume, you know, the Texans should be picking later in the first round now. So two first round picks late, in the, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Just like you spent two first round picks on Deshaun Watson. Those are the two most important positions on a franchise, your quarterback and your left tackle. So I don't have any problem with that. The second rounder might been a might have been a little bit much, but you also get a fourth and a sixth rounder back. And those are going to be early fourth and sixth round picks with the Dolphins, you would assume very early in the fourth and sixth round, potentially. So Steven, I don't, I don't think it's that terrible. You know, Kenny Stills, they said, well, they would have cut him, but it doesn't mean you're up on the waiver wire at the beginning. So you might not have gotten Kenny Stills, but that just because they were going to cut him doesn't mean he's a bad guy to pick up. I mean, he really helps your wide receiving core as well. Well, the way I see it, Robert, is one of two things were going to happen. Either the Texans were not going to get that upgraded left tackle and they'd be left with nothing except what they had before that, or they were going to give up too much for one. And that's usually what's going to have to happen. I mean, the left tackle, as you mentioned, is such a valuable asset. Miami's not going to give him up, you know, just for a song. So I think in light of what has been happening at that position for the last several years, I think the Texans just, you you just have to expect that they had to give up maybe a little bit too much. You also got to hope that they agree to a long-term deal with him, and I'm sure they will, especially considering how much they gave up for him. And the, the good thing about getting Kenny Stills and wide receivers, you really do have some depth. If Kiki QT and Will Fuller can't stay healthy, then you've still got some great depth in Kenny Stills who can step in. And you also pick up a running back in Carlos Hyde that gives you some depth behind Duke Johnson. So I'd have to say all in all, you know, on paper, you know, we haven't played the games yet, but at least on paper, yeah, the, the Texans took some risks, but really that's the only way you're ever going to get better, or at least hope to get better. You've got to take a little bit of risk to get some reward, and that's apparently what Bill O'Brien has done. Everybody said it over the last few last few hours, I guess, or last uh, couple of days anyways, that this is about Bill O'Brien saying, hey, we don't have all day to get this thing squared away. We see an opportunity. We see an opportunity to win this division. We should be the favorite in the division. I mean, that's what is going on right now. I mean, he's he's feels like the immediacy, and he thinks, look, my job's at stake. If I don't get this done now, it doesn't matter about the future. I, I got to win now. I mean, that that's the problem when you give the coach the reins of general manager. He can just go, forget the future. I know my, my future is about right now. Well, and I guess for those who say that Bill O'Brien is too conservative and too this and too that, well... He definitely took some risks over the weekend by making these deals. And it's clear that the Texans' window of opportunity is now. And yes, you mortgage the future, but who knows, you know, who knows what can happen in the next year or two, especially with all the, the cap money that the Texans still have. You know they're going to use some of it to eventually get Deshaun Watson locked up. And with free agency, maybe they'll be a little less conservative. You know, maybe go out and, and next year in free agency and some of the holes that they're going to need after this season's over. Yeah, they're going to have to sign Laramie Tunsil too because his contract's going to run out in a couple of years. And I'm guessing next offseason they might work on that. 
put him into the fold for the next few years and, and tie him to Deshaun Watson. You know, that, that's what you feel like they've got to be able to do is tie those two together. And it's great because he's 25 and Deshaun's about the same age and, and they can be together for a long time and he can be his protector. Meanwhile, with Kenny Stills, just want to throw this out there for you. You add his speed. He's that guy that if Will Fuller runs into injuries, he's your insurance. And let, let me say this, Stephen, and what do you think? If this group is healthy, this wide receiving core, they are without question the best receiving core in Texans history and maybe the best in the NFL this year. Oh, my goodness. I'd say you'd have to be because you got to throw DeAndre Hopkins in there. And then I think that they have bettered themselves at tight end. It, it, you know, the position certainly looks a lot better than it has in recent years. I, I would say the offense all the way around, then you put Duke Johnson in a running back, and if he can stay healthy like he has been doing the last few years and play the kind of game that he played with the Browns, the Texans have to be considered one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. And as you pointed out on this podcast before, Robert, they're going to need it because really the defense, you've, you've lost what you had in Clowney from this past year. They haven't really upgraded that much in the secondary. You hope that Bradley Roby can step up and be a good corner, but they're going to need that offense because the defense is probably not going to be against the run even as good as it was before. And you're playing a lot of elite quarterbacks. So those cornerbacks and safeties are really, really going to get tested. Yeah. I wouldn't even including the, the tight end group and they still got some things to prove. And I feel like this could be the best tight end group that they've had since Owen Daniels with, you know, Jordan, the Jordans, Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas and Darren Fells. And, you know, he can block, which helps you a bunch uh, with, you know, just kind of protecting Deshaun Watson, of course. But if I'm looking at it with DeAndre Hopkins, I love, love Will Fuller. You, you add Kenny Stills into the mix. And if, like I said, QT's got to stay healthy along with Fuller. And, you know, I mean, look, DeAndre Carter is your fifth receiver. That's a pretty good receiving core. And all those guys that we were wondering about as the number five and number six guy, all those guys were, were let go. A couple of them stuck onto the practice squad, but they were pretty much let go. So now you're, you, you've got veteran, a pretty much veteran group except for QT, who's in his second year. So they're not only good, but they've been around for a little bit at this point. So, you know, I, I just love this receiving core. And Steven, there's another thing that we haven't talked about yet in this deal, which I think is sort of might have slipped under some people's radar. And let me see if you are on the same page with me on this. Does this ever happen in a Bob McNair world? Does this trade ever happen in a Bob McNair world? I don't think so. No, I, I don't think Bob McNair. Bob McNair has never been, never was this risky about anything. And you know, Kenny Stills has he, he's had some controversy surrounding him too. Oh, and, and not, not just like, Stills, Tunsil. Because if Tunsil anybody too. forgets, yeah. Tunsil was the guy who on draft day had a video get leaked out with him in a gas mask with a bong attached. Not exactly the image McNair likes his guys portraying and, and stills like you were about to say, you know, he went hard after the Dolphins owner because of his support of the president. He also knelt during the national anthem. And ironically, you'll run across photos of him kneeling with Arian Foster on the Dolphins sideline just from a couple of years ago. Yeah, I guarantee you if Bill O'Brien or Brian Gain, Rick Smith, whomever the general manager was at the time, went to Bob McNair with a list 
And it included Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, along with, you know, the dossier on both of them. He'd have shaken his head no right away. But Cal McNair, I will say the one thing for Cal McNair, he's been willing to step up a little bit more. You know, we can still question him about whether the Texans should have a GM and that Bill O'Brien's making all the calls. Well, you know, this is, again, as we said, this is something Bob McNair would never have tried. And at least the Texans, if, if you can say anything at all, at least the Texans aren't, finally, aren't just willing to sit with their hands in their lap. They're willing to take some risks. We might be raking them on this show six months from now for what they've done, or we might be lauding Bill O'Brien to the hills. It, it remains to be seen. Yeah, this is like Bill O'Brien hitting on 16, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say so. He's got all of his chips in. He's going, hey, I'm pushing everything in. I don't care what anybody says about the odds or whatever. I mean, this is not – he's not playing like a Jeff Ludo in, in that way. He's not looking at, well, but the odds and – you know, draft picks and they're so valuable and everything. And Daryl Morey would go, I like it. Daryl Morey would be excited about this, wouldn't he? I mean, he's yeah, all about he this. He's he's about analytics too, but but he's also about taking some chances and we've seen that from him. So yeah, I would say it, it's taking chances without the analytics being involved here. And that's where some people may criticize him. But again, if you think about it, Robert, how, how quickly this turned from – having nothing at left tackle, having nothing at wide receiver, having no depth at running back behind Lamar Miller, all of a sudden, ever since training camp is open, we fill the left tackle need. They fill, not only do they get a top flight running back, but when Lamar goes, uh, Lamar Miller goes down, they get out and, and get another back to compliment Duke Johnson, and they get some great depth at wide receiver. You know, cornerback is, is still the, the really glaring need, but you can't fill all your needs in one season. I don't know that any team that can do that. And the Texans aren't going to have the high draft picks to do that. So they're going to have to really start scouting well in the middle and late rounds and, and really do better in free agency and maybe start taking some more risks as far as that goes from next season on to fill some of those needs. Yeah, and, and I want to go back to – Kenny Stills for a little bit because, you know, we talked about, you know, what he did with, with kneeling, but he's put his, you know, his efforts where his mouth is. I mean, he's done a ton in the community. You know, he's got a, a whole thing called, it's called rise and where he goes out and tries to improve the situation um, between uh, the police and, and, and the people in the community. I mean, he, he does a lot of different things. He's also known for being the last man off the, Dolphins practice field he signs autographs takes selfies doesn't matter if it's 95 100 degrees outside Kenny Stills is going to be a popular player in Houston he will be very well liked I mean that that's a guy that uh really is about uh doing something good in the community same way J.J. Watt does just you know there's the stuff that some people might not like but you know he he Definitely puts forth the effort and really tries to make a difference in the world in a good way. Uh, Carlos Hyde is somebody that we've talked about, Stephen, but it's interesting because it didn't look like Martinez Rankin was going to make the roster. So on the surface, you got to like the Carlos Hyde deal. He gives them a veteran backup. It's interesting, though, that somehow Buddy Howell and Taiwan Jones made the team 
but Karan Higdon and Demario Crockett did not. Crockett's now on the Raiders practice squad. Higdon on the Texans practice squad. Maybe it's just me, Stephen, but I find it odd that they keep three backs on the roster who are mostly for special teams with Hal Jones and Galaspia. And here you've got somebody like Carlos Hyde that might not have been going in the right direction the last couple of years. I thought it might have been worth keeping a Karan Higdon or a Crockett around as somebody with potential as a real running back, as opposed to, you know, these guys that are just basically, you know, special teams guys at the running back position uh, in, in the last three guys on the on the running back depth chart. Yeah, that's probably the one trade that we might point to and say, well, was was it really is is it really going to pay off for us? I really liked Amaria Crockett. I, I was hoping that they would at least keep him. I think Karan Higdon is is a capable back. It's still unproven, of course, but at least he's still in the practice squad. So yeah, there, there's probably a little more risk there, and we'll just have to see how how that plays out as the season goes on. The under the radar move was. Keon Crossan. They make a deal for Keon Crossan, who's a cornerback. With the, he was with the Patriots. Uh, and I asked an old Locked On Texans friend, Mark Schofield, who hosted the Locked On Patriots podcast and now writes for InsideThePylon.com. He said, and I quote, Keon was more of a special teams player in New England. He showed flashes of coverability and had a strong case, strong close to camp, I should say and the fourth preseason game. But the roster at cornerback in New England right now is a logjam. He says, definitely a talented kid who, if given the opportunity, can be a starting cornerback or at least a rotational corner in the league. So good news, Stephen, with, with Keon Crossing. Well, at least that's there's some hope there that if he has potential that he can develop under the right system. Uh, so, yeah, they, they did add some more depth at that position, which they certainly need. So, just hopefully somebody out of these out of this group can be a big surprise, a pleasant surprise, and give us something that we can, you know, think about at cornerback. And hopefully he's better than, you know, God, Badamosi was a disaster. Really, I didn't feel like he was all that impressive on special teams, which was the main reason they got him. But he was terrible as a actual cornerback in real life. So hopefully crossing, it sounds like he's – much better than that. And the Texans actually had to give up something uh, for him, which, you know, maybe means he's a little bit better than getting somebody like Badamosi as just a free agent, which is somebody that, you know, the Patriots could definitely have re-signed him. Uh, also speaking of corners, the Texans signed Cornell Armstrong on Sunday, who was cut by the Dolphins after they drafted him in the sixth round, just like Cross. And I'm sure the fact that he's a super strong special teams player had much to do with that move, but there, there are people in Miami that feel like Cornell Armstrong has some potential and, and a really underrated part of Saturday's trade. Somebody made this point on Twitter. I think it was our, our friend, Aaron Reese, who's been on the show with um, the athletic Steven. They got rid of their most penalty prone players in the last couple of days. Julian Davenport, 15 penalties last year, Jadavian Clowney, 14 penalties Last year, they accounted for 29 of Houston's 117 flags. Wow, that's a great stat. And and something else I was thinking about, Robert, that I was going to mention is think of all the dead weight the Texans got rid of. Some of them that we've been talking about on this podcast, and I know you even before I joined you, no more Julian Davenport to kick around, no more Martinez Rankin, and no more Johnson Bottomosi. They're all gone. I mean, they the Texans did get rid of, and of course they could afford to with a lot of these trades, but 
those players, we you don't have to sit around and kick them around anymore because they're no longer with the team. And you didn't get that long to kick around Matt Khalil, but he's gone too. <laughs> no, and that really wasn't. I, I think that we we probably knew that was going to happen, especially after the Tunson deal. But but even before that, it kind of made you wonder if Roderick Johnson was going to step in, if they were going to get some other left tackle, that Matt Khalil was either going to be a starter or he was going to be gone. And clearly, no matter what Bill O'Brien said a couple weeks ago, he wasn't going to be the starter, and now he's gone. I honestly feel like Nick Martin was going to get kicked to the curb, and I think the thing that saved him, Stephen, was that Zach Fulton and Greg Mance are a little bit banged up. But if, if those guys get healthy, Nick Martin at some point this year could be gone too. I, I could see that happening. He very well could be. And, you know, they tried uh, – now his name just escapes me at center. Oh, uh, Calamete maybe? Calamete, yeah. that's I, I couldn't think the name to save my life. But he he played a little bit at center. I might like to see him a little bit there, more of that position too. Yeah, he's been able to play all, all five positions. So, they, you know, the versatility's been their thing. So if they decide to go on from Nick Martin, they got guys that they actually could move over there. They got you know, maybe three guys, you know, as we've said, that can move over into that uh, position. Also, uh, with this Clowney trade, something came out in the last 24 hours, and I don't know if you caught this one, Stephen, because uh, – this this is going to really frustrate you even more. According to Adam Schefter, the Texans paid Clowney a $7 million signing bonus while Seattle is paying the remaining $8 million of his salary. So Seattle, you know, they also promised not to tag Clowney after the season. I mean, Stephen, with all that Seattle was getting, you couldn't squeeze out at least a fourth and fifth rounder, something more than two mediocre linebackers and a third rounder. Was this a hostage situation? Was O'Brien late for lunch or something? Like, why was he in such a hurry with this deal? That I don't get. I just don't understand that. Well, I, I think, yeah, I did see that that $7 million thing. And, and yeah, you speak of hostaging. Well, Clowney basically had the Texans held hostage. The, the longer this dragged on, the less value the Texans were going to get. And I guess Bill O'Brien figured either we're stuck with Clowney and he walks next year because we're not going to sign him to what he wants, or we trade him and at least get something for him, even if it was much, much less value. I mean, clearly he got devalued as far as the Texans are in this trade. So I guess it was the lesser of two evils as far as Bill O'Brien was concerned. They wanted to get it off the plate before the season started and just get what they get. They weren't going to get Tunsil for him. He made that clear. He didn't want to go to Miami. So they did what they felt was the next best thing, going give him to a team that he does want to go to, and take much less value. Yeah, that, that certainly was a disappointing trade. You know, I was mentioning it, messaging with one of our listeners about the deal, and here's what's so, uh, I think, interesting about what happened. I, I, I feel like the, the timeline might have looked something like this. Brian Gain wanted to bring Clowney back with this, you know, whole franchise tag. He, that's what he wanted to do. Right. That might very well have been a huge reason why he is no longer with the Texans. Once he leaves, they get past and they're past the deadline. They waited too long to pull the trigger. You know, Casario might've been the guy that was supposed to handle all this stuff. He doesn't come along. O'Brien is now in a bind and O'Brien is full decision maker. So, you know, he is looking at the situation where he's like, I don't want this to go into the season. Because what do we know about Bill O'Brien? What is the one thing that we know about Bill O'Brien, Stephen, after all these years? That guy hates distractions. He, he hates, hates them. distractions. Yes, he does. 
which is interesting because this whole clowny thing, you could probably you could call it a distraction even before training camp open and certainly after when especially when we thought he was going to report after the third week he wasn't i mean this old clowny thing we talked about more about the clowny situation than anything on the texans for the past few weeks he didn't want to go through like next week and the week after that answering questions about clowny and there's nobody else to go to because there is no gm and clowny basically played poker with the Texans and was a, there was a stare off and, and he won the stare off. He literally won that poker game with Bill O'Brien and said, okay, we can pull this out as long as you want to. And I'm willing to do it. And, and O'Brien Brian blinked. He blinked. That's all that happened. Yeah, he certainly did. And the Texans, at least for now, certainly have lost in this deal because not only have you lost one of your better defensive players, especially against the run, but you got much less for him than you probably could have if you had traded him several months ago. And I think that's a good point about the Brian Gaines situation. They may not have been the only reason, but I'm sure it it could very well have been a major factor. And it ended up hurting the Texans' chances of getting something better for Clowney than they did. All right, we might have a guest or two later in the week. I'm I'm working on that, on this whole Texans mass (laughs) trade uh, O'Brien total madhouse that's gone on over the weekend because, you know, I still am curious about some of these other players that they, they got or all the players they got in the trade and what they're about. I'm working on that. Hopefully I'll have that. We're going to talk Verlander in a second, but we got to talk about our new partners over at mybookie.ag. And if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you would take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why, I go to my bookie. It's fast. It's easy. They pay when you win. Let's let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And I wouldn't telling I would be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season or throw some money on the Texans or whoever your team is, bet with my bookie. And did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. It's real easy. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do it. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code HOUSTON. Very simple. If you forget, go into our show description. That activates the offer. Promo code HOUSTON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win you get paid. Well, Stephen, uh, Justin Verlander became just the sixth pitcher in baseball history to throw at least three no-hitters. He joins a sweet list of Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, Larry Corcoran. I don't know about that, but Bob Feller and Cy Young's not a bad couple of ways to finish that list off. And, oh man, that, that was about as dominant, Stephen, a no-no as you'll see if you split hairs on these babies because 14 strikeouts one walk, 120 pitches. He barely broke a sweat. And I, I call this game justice for Justin because, you know, a couple of starts ago, he almost had a no-hitter then. He gave up only two hits. They were both solo home runs. He ends up losing the game. So, to me, this game is sweet justice for Justin Verlander. I mean, this guy, you know, he, he made some headlines maybe for not the right reasons lately, getting tossed in his last start and then the – the brouhaha with the Detroit Free Press reporter, but man, the guy when when he needs to bear down, 
when, when the Astros have had so much inconsistency, so much injury to their pitching staff, this is why Justin Verlander is the ace. Your ace pitcher is going to take the team on your shoulders. You're going to carry them through. And that's exactly what Justin Verlander did on Sunday. I love what Tyler Stafford said on, on Twitter, friend of the show, uh, does stuff for The Athletic and various other publications. But he said, I still can't believe the Astros traded for Justin Verlander with anybody not named Justin Verlander. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I love that. And I think that the only base runner he gave up was a, a walk to Biggio in the first inning. How about how's, How ironic is that? Uh, we have Kevin Biggio, who, who's actually doing pretty well against the Astros, the team that his dad played for, but he was the only base runner. Verlander just cruised the rest of the way. And it's just, I don't know, Astros and no hitters are starting to go hand in hand, Robert, the second one we've had this year. Yeah, I, I want to get back to that in a second, but how about the story of Abraham Toro, who wasn't even in the original lineup for this game, Yuli and Springer don't play with what looks like minor injury. Springer did pinch hit, which was good. Toro's family had actually left the game, but five of his friends did stay behind and saw what happened. What happens? The Canadian, he's a native from Canada. He goes back, plays in his home country for the first time in his career, and he comes up in the ninth inning against, of all people, Ken Giles, and hits a two-run opposite field home run, then records the final out of the game on the grounder to third, and then that throw to first base to, to close things out. But what a story from Abraham Toro. And as I'm watching the game, Stephen, I'm thinking, look, if Toro does not knock in that base runner on third, which I, I think it was Bregman right there, if he does not knock in Bregman, then... Guess what? Verlander's comes out of the game because I don't think I really don't think Hinch wants to, you know, say, all right, let's go for the no hitter. Because now if you're going for the no hitter, it means he's got to pitch 10 innings. He's got to put another maybe 25 pitches on that, you know, stat line, which is he was already up at 120. And if you're Hinch and you're the Astros, I don't know if that's worth it. No. And, and just how crushing would that have been if he had had to do that? And let's say the Astros went on to lose the game. You're talking two games in the space of over a week that Justin Verlander loses when he should have had a no-hitter. But no Hollywood scriptwriter could have done that any better, not just with Abraham Toro doing that in his native country, but against Ken Giles. I mean, here Ken Giles comes out on Saturday, and what does he strike out the side, or he, he gets him one, two, three anyway, and beats the Astros. But as Giles has been wont to do when he was an Astro, comes back the next day and blows a chance for the Blue Jays to win the game. So in other words, he's still the same Ken Giles as when he left the Astros. Yeah, you referenced that second no-hitter in a month. Remember that the Astros' last no-hitter was started by a just-traded Toronto Blue Jay one month ago, Aaron Sanchez, and this one ends up with the Canadian get, getting the final out. So, you know, blame Canada for the Astros' last two no-hitters. That's, that's what I say. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's true, too. Yeah, Good throwing point. a little uh, – uh, that's a little bit of a South Park reference for you <laughs> guys who remember the South Park movie. He he also became just the fifth player Verlander did in history to strike out – this was very quietly – to strike out at least 250 hitters in five separate seasons in this game. He joins Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, Max Scherzer, Roger Clemens. It's a pretty, pretty good list. I mean, the list that he gets on 
They're no joke, man. <laughs> well, and I think we we knew that Justin Verlander is going to be in the Hall of Fame, and this just just completely adds to that of just how great he is. And it's just so it's wonderful to see, especially with the the problems the Astros have had in the pitching. You know, at least for a moment, we can forget about the pitchers that are out and just concentrate on the positive things that the Astros have done, despite all the injuries they've had throughout the season and the ineffectiveness of the bullpen and even some of the starters. We still have Justin Verlander. You still have Garrett Cole. And, you know, Zach Greinke, he hasn't particularly pitched well, but he's still Zach Greinke, and the season's not over yet. Yeah, Greinke is is starting to be a little bit of a concern. But, yeah, I mean, the Astros right now – the good news is, you know, it looks like Josh James is back with the team now. Uh, you're going to have the call-ups. So we're finally going to see Kyle Tucker. For you Kyle Tucker honks out there, he's going to be back. I mean, the Peacock thing is, is, is pretty concerning. The Colin McHugh thing is concerning. Although McHugh hasn't pitched really well. But if you can just get Correa back, maybe you get Josh James, you get Ryan Presley. Those, those, are, the, those are the really important ones. Th- those are the ones that it, it, I, I think the news has been good recently. Hasn't it been, Stephen? Well, yeah, in, in those situations, oh, it'd be so wonderful if at least if Josh James can come back and be effective, uh, that that would help immensely. And then if Peacock and Colin McHugh, if, if it's not as bad as they're afraid it might be, you know, Presley, oh, they really would miss Presley in the playoffs, but maybe he can come back in time. So we have to hold on to those positives that there's still a few weeks left to get these guys back and hopefully get them ready for when the postseason comes. Quick non-Astros story. Uh, I'm going to veer here a little bit, Stephen, because this one's this one's kind of personal. You know, why Verlander, he's out on the hill going for that no-hitter. About the same time, Carlos Carrasco with the Indians is back, pitching for the Indians. Takes his uh, first uh, opportunity out on the mound. And Carrasco, if you don't know this story, he left about three months ago to battle leukemia. And I've got a buddy of mine, guy I went to college with, I'm really close with. His son also has been battling leukemia. He got leukemia towards the end of his senior year of high school. He missed his entire first year of college. He is now starting college as we speak. But just about a month or a month and a half ago, he was in Cleveland. Uh, There was some connection made. Uh, My friend's son, as well as my friend, of course, they went down on the baseball field. They met Carrasco. Uh, they got an autograph with him from him and a jersey, and it, it was a really special moment. The other thing that happened was he gave him a little wristband, and uh, Carrasco's been wearing the wristband. There's photos that my friend has seen. He showed he uh, sent sent them to me with Carrasco with uh, the the wristband that his son gave him. So just an extraordinary story. I, I know we're not supposed to be Indians fans, but I'm going to be a Carrasco fan at least for a little while. Well, I think this is where you can say sports and the teams you play for don't matter because this is about life. You know, this this is literally about life versus death or overcoming a battle like cancer. And you may remember at the All-Star game how much love Carlos Carrasco was receiving with the game being in Cleveland. That was an emotional moment. And... It's just good to, no matter who a player plays for, you want to root for them to come back from something like that. Well, we got one other thing to talk about because the weekend didn't end with just Verlander's no-hitter and it didn't end with all the moves that the Texans made. 
the Rockets snuck in there late Friday night that they had signed Eric Gordon to a huge extension, three years guaranteed, a fourth-year option, which that was beautiful job by Daryl Morey to get the fourth-year option. He, he loves having a sort of GM option, if you want to call it that. So he's locked up. Eric Gordon is to potentially 2024. You've got Capella locked up, Russell Westbrook. These guys are going to stay together. The only guy left is really P.J. Tucker. But, you know, the only thing I guess I would be worried about with this, Stephen, I don't know how you feel about it, but this is Eric Gordon for this year. You know, the extension doesn't kick in. So it's three more years. So it's four years where he's locked in, guaranteed money. And Eric Gordon has had a long history of injuries. And he's now 30 years old. So the end of this deal, he's going to be 33, 34 is that going to matter? Is is he going to start breaking down again? That that would be my only concern. Well, that certainly would be a concern. And yeah, this he still has one year left on this deal before this one kicks in. $75.6 million. That's what they're going to be paying him over this deal. So it is a bit of a risk. But and you remember how many times did Eric Gordon's name come up in all the trade speculation with the Rockets over the past couple of years? Well, you know, at least for a little while, we'll have to put those to rest because... They clearly wanted to lock him up. And as far as P.J. Tucker's concerned, I mean, his his age is definitely, I, I think, probably going to prevent him from signing any kind of a long-term deal with the Rockets. I don't, I don't really see him being with the team beyond the next year or so. so. But, yeah, it's going to be a risk with Eric Gordon. But he has given some reward. So you just have to hope that he can stay healthy even though he gets older. Yeah, P.J. Tucker just texted me while you were talking there, and he said – what do you mean I'm getting older? Age is no, a state is, of mind. Is he, is he, is he mad because I called him an old man? Sorry about that, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a former Longhorn, too. I should know better. Absolutely. Well, if you enjoy the show, please uh, support us. You can go to the website, HoustonSportsTalk.net, make a small donation. Uh, there's a donate button on the right, top right of the homepage or, or towards the bottom of the page if you're on your smartphone. We're trying to at least... Uh, continue to bring this to you and you know it's been a little bit expensive over the last few years i'm, I'm not going to tell you the totals but it's, it's probably more than, than you might imagine for us to give you this on a weekly and usually bi-weekly basis for sure i want to thank again our new sponsor my bookie we appreciate that that helps us out for sure if you forget the promo code or the website again it's all in the show description and steven i i, I don't know how to finish this off but I tell you what, let me ask you one last question. Are the Texans Super Bowl contenders now? Uh, I still say they're a little bit short. Uh, Just from a defensive standpoint, I still say they're a bit short. It's funny because right now it's not much of a defense league. There there are concerns about defense, but Romeo Cronell, I would trust to scheme up a little bit than Bill O'Brien. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Whitney Merciless could have a comeback season. You know, we talked about it in the last podcast with the Clowney trade, but, you know, my my number one concern with Clowney leaving has nothing to do with him and his pass rush game. My it's number the run one, game. My number, yeah, it's the run game. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And and if, if they can keep the run game in check, if the guys that they've got backing up Clowney can, can do that, I don't know if it's going to be quite as good because Clowney would have those blow-ups in the backfield where, you know, he would knock a guy flat to his back five yards behind the line of scrimmage. I really like, you know, most of the 
defense, the cornerback is an issue, but we've, we talked about it a little bit. They, they might've done some small moves to help the depth in the, in the cornerback locker room. And, and that that's going to be a big deal. I think, because if there is an injury to Jonathan Joseph, if Bradley Roby isn't quite good enough to be out there all the time, to add a couple of pieces like that. And, and you, you like, as long as Justin Reed and Tayshawn Gibson stay healthy, it could be one of the best, uh, not one of the best. I think it could be the best safety uh, group that the Texans have ever had, just in the top two. Yeah, the safeties I'm not too concerned about. And I would say, at least from a secondary standpoint, they can't get too much worse than what they were last year, other than the fact that they're playing some elite quarterbacks. But even if, let's just say this, if the Texans get to that point where they have a dream season, just remember the road is still going to go through New England. And, and you know, until they until they prove they can beat the Patriots, I, I don't think they can even, I don't think they can get past that to even get to the Super Bowl. Well, no matter what happens with the Texans this year, I, I can safely say it's going to be way more exciting to watch uh, with the number of weapons that, Deshaun has the running back group is is totally different than last year, so that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, what can Duke, Duke Johnson do out of the backfield? What's Carlos Hyde going to give you? What can Kenny Stills do? Can QT get back, you know, healthy and really give you something this year for more than a couple of games? Can Will Fuller stay on the field? I mean, the offense. There's a lot of ifs, but you know, you've got depth, you've got backups, you've got a tight end group that's uh, kind of young and fun to watch now. You've got an offensive line that's going to be young and interesting to watch. And what are they going to be able to do with, you know, is Titus, is it going to be Titus Howard and Sharping at the guards? That should be, you know, we're going to have our eyes peeled on those guys. Can Chantrell stay on the field? Uh, how how much does it matter? What Or how much can Lermy Tunsil do for this tackle, uh, this left tackle position? And, and what's the ripple effect? I mean, it's just like, this is like an episode of Soap. You remember Soap, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, yes, the old 70s TV show. I sure do. I will say this. I'm more excited about the start of the regular season now than I was before this weekend came. I, I would tell you that. Just because of all those storylines you just mentioned. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's unreal. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's 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 Sunday. It's the Saints. It, it's going to start up here pretty darn soon and week from monday week from monday night and if you're a houston sports fan it has just been incredibly interesting over this summer it's been the most exciting summer in houston sports history i think and and to think there was a time when summer was completely dead when if the astros weren't doing well and even at the time when houston didn't even have a football team to talk about my we've come a long way haven't we robert yeah, it, it's boy, it, it it just it it just doesn't seem to end, and we think we're thankful for it. We got stuff to talk about uh, ad nauseum. I, I'm gonna let you. I mean, you're probably tired, Steve. I'm gonna let you go to sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to sleep after this weekend. I don't know. I'm still on a pretty big high from all this stuff, but we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for doing this, Stephen. We'll we'll uh, catch you guys maybe in a few days. If, if not, don't forget the Texans post game shows every week this year. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.